Let's pray. Lord God, help us to see and give us faith to act. Amen. Helen Keller was once asked, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. <laughs> Whoa. And that quote, my friends, is a good summary of our gospel lesson today from Mark. Blindness and sight are themes that Mark develops quite a bit in his gospel. And clearly, uh, Jesus' own disciples come up short on this one. They have, uh, all of them, it appears, uh, two good eyes, yet they see nothing or very little, at least at this point in the story. They are, in many ways, spiritually blind, <clears throat> perceiving precious little of what Jesus is up to, while at the same time projecting onto Jesus how this man might make them famous. Blind Bartimaeus, on the other hand, is blind, yet he sees with his heart. He knows through faith that Jesus exists. Jesus is there for people like him, forgotten and marginalized, that he's a healer, a bringer of hope, not a rabble rouser. Today we ponder how, uh, how we might be spiritually blind, just as we ask God at the same time for the gift of, of sight and a faith that jumps up and does something, as Bartimaeus did. The disciples, though largely blind, had every reason to see more clearly than the others, didn't they? I mean, they were with Jesus all the time, observing uh, his every public word and deed. And yet, as Mark makes uh, very clear, usually uh, they just didn't get it. Even when Jesus pulled them aside you know, to explain to them what he just did or said, you know, okay, you see, what I meant there was that some people are blind and you guys are blind and you don't see. Well, and they still didn't, uh, still didn't usually track. Now, true, Peter was not completely blind. He could see that Jesus was the Messiah, as we learned a few weeks ago, but Peter, along with the other 11, just didn't have a clue what kind of Messiah Jesus was. For instance, Jesus had now made it clear no less than three times to the disciples that his path of servanthood would lead to persecution, suffering, and death. These words are familiar. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is not what the disciples were expecting, and they just couldn't shift paradigms. The Messiah was supposed to be served, not to serve, to be the conqueror, not the conquered, to restore Israel to greatness and might, not to be defeated and controlled by someone else. They just didn't know what to do with these revolution, revelations of, of Jesus. They just couldn't see it. <laughs> so they tried to give Jesus uh, pep talks, Peter did, where he tried to, tried to help Jesus see a better outcome. Come on, Jesus, power of positive thinking. This won't happen to you. 
They, de they debated among uh, uh, one another. Who was the greatest? And in today's lesson, James and John eagerly approach Jesus. Can we ask you something, they say? And Jesus says, what, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, grant that each of us may sit next to you in your glory, one at your right and one at your left. <sighs> what, what do you say if you're Jesus at that point? Jesus said, uh, you, you, you don't know what you're asking. You don't understand the path that I'm on. <laughs> By the way, the one, the path that you'll soon be on, too. And the truth is, it's not about glory and recognition and being served. It's about serving. Great rulers in this world lord it over their people, but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. In other words, in a world where its kingdoms are based on power, conquest, and tribal agendas of one kind or another, Jesus' kingdom is based on something different, isn't it? It's based on God's vision for humanity that will come to pass, one based on servanthood and love, building bridges between people, healing, and the common good. So you see, Jesus' path had to be very different than a political or militaristic conquest narrative, if you will. So too for his followers. And while the disciples were consistently thinking about their status, their position, their power. Jesus was trying to tell them, that's not what we're doing. We're about being servants. At this point, the disciples were blind to this. One day, though, their eyes would be opened down the road. I I'm, I'm, have to admit, I'm sympathetic with the disciples, though. They were, they were just thinking, hey, what's in it for me? And when you ride the coattails of a great leader that's emerged onto the scene, you, you ask those questions, right? Hey, what do I get out of this? That's normal enough. But it's blind to God's vision of what's in it for everyone. And creating a community of people who ask, not what's in it for me, but how are we meeting the needs of our neighbor? How do we care for one another? A Christian community always exists not for the sake of itself and maintaining itself in its own glory. It exists for the sake of the world, the neighborhood. That's why we're, that's literally what Christ is up to in us. The little church called the disciples were often blind to this. So too are many, many churches, ones I've heard about and worked with, and all kinds of churches ask uh, the questions like, well, what should we do now? And what kind of plans should we make for the future? You can't help not ask those questions. And again, I can't tell you how many churches out there spend a good deal of time trying to answer those questions with surveys and focus groups asking their own members and only their own members what they should be doing. Asking members of the club. But if we exist for the sake of the world, We'd better be asking, who? Our neighbors, right? 
Rarely do faith communities bother to ask their neighbors what they want and need and hope for, the ones we're called to serve, the ones Christ is trying to reach. It's as though we're blind to them. And that's just kind of the way churches typically function, (laughs) kind of like the disciples. Meanwhile, a man named Bartimaeus was one of those people who was usually not seen at all, but who happened to be pretty good at seeing. One day, with 20-20 vision, Bartimaeus seeks out Jesus in a crowd, believing Jesus will heal him. That believing that Jesus noticed people like him that everybody else ignored, he could see, as Helen Keller once said, with his heart. He calls out to Jesus, first identifying him as son of David, son of David. This is another term indicating Jesus' royal lineage. Bart knows that Jesus is the Messiah and therefore asks Jesus to have mercy on him, a plea for both healing and kindness. Now, it needs to be made clear that blind people in this culture are supposed to be seen and not heard and, and, and only rarely seen, frankly. Just quietly mumble in your appointed begging spot so the charitable people can throw you a few coins. You see, Bart is unclean and he is a nobody. And important religious people didn't normally pay attention to unclean nobodies. In other words, Bart shouldn't be addressing Jesus like this here at all. But here he is calling out to Jesus. So, understandably, predictably, people in the crowd reprimand Bart immediately for his impertinence. But this only spurs Bart to shout out even more loudly. He says, son of, son of David, even louder, have mercy on me. I don't, in other words, I don't care what you're telling me. I have faith in Jesus, so I'm stepping up to the plate. You've got to like this guy. He could see who Jesus was, and he could see what faith was, stepping up. Now, not because he was so bold and remarkable. That's not where his power and strength was, but because he trusted. He trusted in the one whom he was addressing. And that led him to be bold. His confidence was in Jesus, not himself. And Jesus... Jesus heard him. Jesus saw him. He called the man over. And it says here, it's a great line, Bart threw off his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus then asked him the same question that he asked James and John. Did you pick that up? It's the exact same question. What do you want me to do for you? Recall James and John asked for places of honor and power and influence. Their confidence, frankly, was maybe less in Jesus and more in themselves, and they they wanted status, influence, and power to show for it. Well, Bartimaeus' confidence was in the son of David, so Bart asked for his sight to be restored. And immediately it was. Immediately it was. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And with his restored vision, Bart knew what to do with it. Follow Jesus. Why wouldn't you? Would he understand more clearly, maybe, than the disciples 
what road Jesus was on? The road of servanthood? Bartimaeus would likely understand that this is, this is what Jesus did. This was Jesus' mission, to love the unlovable people, to heal them and give them life, not to fight people, not to use power that way, not to seek power and influence, to be a servant. Jesus asks this of you too, he asks, what do you want me to do for you? What do you say? Given who Jesus is and what Jesus is up to in this world, what, what do you say? Knowing that Christ is giving of himself, what does that mean of what we ask? Jesus' disciples watched Jesus heal and restore people over and over again, yet they still had who is the greatest among us on their minds? What perks would be in it for them? So we've seen how some people who have good eyesight and information are blind, while others who are physically blind and lack information and narrative, how they see nonetheless. But in a sense, to be able to see doesn't matter unless you act on it. And that's the final little passage here in my sermon. Bartimaeus called out boldly to Jesus, as noted, and violated social norms in the process because his faith led him to speak and act. And did you notice what Bart did when Jesus called him over and healed him? He leapt up, he sprang up, he jumped up and left his cloak to follow Jesus. Now for a blind beggar, they didn't typically have a lot of possessions, you see, so uh, his cloak was possibly his most trusted possession. He just dropped it. He left it. He was all in. This is a, a wonderful metaphor for us as well. Let's put this all together. Faith calls us to jump up and throw off the cloaks of a blind past and follow Jesus into new Opportunities for our life, for our world, for our neighbor. So how are we blind? Uh, um, I, I put a few bullet points here of ways that I see. Uh, you see it as well, maybe in others, maybe in yourself. Um, I see people who are blind to the servant Jesus of the Bible. Choosing instead, many do, to see a fictional Jesus who is kind of the muscle for their group to judge and exclude others who aren't worthy. Okay, there's blindness there. I see blindness to the many ways that we use our religion to achieve our own ends and not to follow Jesus to his ends. Blindness to our blessings that come our way because we obsess with what's missing. Open your eyes. Blind to environmental ruin in the making, when we're supposed to be stewards. Open your eyes, Jesus says. Blind to the God who promises and always does a new thing, a new creation. Instead, clinging possessively to the old thing. Open our eyes, Lord. Blind to racism. Racism 
that frequently white privilege will not see by design. Blind to our own addictions. Okay, that's enough. I don't mean to depress people. Um, may God give us sight. Just as Bart could not overcome his blindness himself, but needed a miracle, uh, so too can God and only God heal our spiritual blindness, whatever it may be. And the good news is, just as God was patient with the disciples, oh my goodness, was he patient, so too is God patient with us, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We may lack vision, but God still works with us to help us drop the cloaks of a blind past. But overcoming blindness and seeing what God wants us to see <coughs> must lead to action. Now that you can see just a little bit more, what is God calling you to do? How is God calling you and us to open our eyes, call out Jesus' name, jump up, and follow him? Amen.